What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have our running back matchups video. We do every single week here where I go through every single game on the slate, every single fantasy relevant running back. So we have no time to waste here. If you enjoy at any point, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. All right, so our first game on the slate here is the Colts on the road versus the Broncos in Denver. The Broncos are three-point favorites. The over-under is 42.5. It's a Thursday night football game. And the big story here, and it kind of sucks because we're going to have Javante, Jonathan Taylor, two really good fantasy football running backs here for us on Thursday night. And now the big story is both of these running backs are out for this game. Jonathan Taylor officially out. Javante Williams tore his ACL. And that means we have a lot to decipher when it comes to these running backs. Now, when I talk about the running backs in these matchup videos, I break them up into starts, sits, and then I have one that's in between I call RB2 streamers because I know a lot of you guys out there have watched my Hero RB and Zero RB videos in the past. And a lot of the times, we're not starting top 24 guys in that RB2 spot. We're starting more guys in the RB30, 35 range. So I want to have a spot there where you can put those guys in RB2 spots in Hero RB builds. And that's where I'll have Naeem Hines. He's going to be an RB2 streamer for me this week. This is going to be an ugly game. Matt Ryan doesn't look good. He leads all quarterbacks in turnovers with eight turnovers through four weeks. He's also been sacked the fifth most times in the NFL at 15. And he's going to be on the road here. No Jonathan Taylor versus a top 10 defense in the Broncos. Now, regardless, I still think Naeem Hines is a fine play. He's a receiving PPR type back in a trailing game script on the road here. The Broncos are only 22nd in rush defense on PFF. He should see a ton of targets, and then he should also absorb some of Jonathan Taylor's work between the tackles. He's not going to get 15, 20 carries, but he should get somewhere in the range of like six, seven targets and probably like eight to 12 rush attempts. Now, I figured I should mention these guys as well, Phil Lindsay and Deion Jackson. I wouldn't play them. They're going to be on the field. If I had to pick one of them, it would be Phil Lindsay, but there's only going to be so many carries to go around in a negative game script like this against a great defense. Both of them can sit on your benches, unless if you're in like a 16-teamer and you just picked up Phil Lindsay off waivers. Now, on the other side, we have this backfield, a three-man rotation of Mike Boone, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray. I'll call Melvin Gordon a start here, even though that he's had fumble issues in the past. I don't think that Latavius Murray is going to step right in, take his job from him, and I don't think Mike Boone is going to command like 10-plus touches in his first game here. Now, the only reason I don't feel great about this is because the Colts are sort of a pass funnel where they're the second best rush DVOA defense and the 27th best pass DVOA defense. So they pretty much invite you to pass the ball on them, which is bullish for anybody out there that has Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. This should be a beatable pass defense. It just comes down to if Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson can put together a good game on tape. Regardless, Melvin Gordon's going to be the lead back here as a home favorite. He's a fringe RB2 you can plug right into your lineup this week. Now, I'm not starting either Latavius Murray or Mike Boone until we see a game and sort of see how this backfield splits up. If it's a clean three-way split, I don't think anybody outside of Melvin Gordon will be startable. So for that reason, I think you can leave Latavius Murray and Mike Boone on your benches this week. Then we have another London game this week. We have the Giants on the road versus the Packers. The Packers are minus eight and a half point favorites. I guess they're both on the road. No one's really at home in London, but the Packers are listed as the home team. I think that might just be the default because they are the favorites. I'm not sure, but the Packers are minus eight and a half. The over-under is 41 and a half. 
and this is going to be a pretty boring game. These are two teams that are bottom 10 for pass rate over expected. They both want to run the ball. It's going to be a low scoring game. Regardless, on the Giants side of things, you're firing up Saquon Barkley as a top three option. He's the RB1 in all of fantasy right now in PPR formats. Green Bay is bottom five in rush DVOA defense. Saquon Barkley will be the entire offense for the Giants. Now, I will say, watch out. I think that Daniel Jones is dealing with an ankle injury. Tyrod Taylor might play. I don't think it really matters much for Saquon. Then on the other side of things, we have Aaron Jones, who is coming off a 100-yard rushing game last week versus the Patriots. As eight and a half point favorites, the Packers are going to lean on their running backs here, win the game through A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I have Jones as a fringe top 12 option this week against a neutral Giants run defense in a great environment. And then we have A.J. Dillon, who's a little bit trickier. He scored 20 points in week one, and then since then, he hasn't been over 10 points. I think he's still a fringe top 24 option here. He's someone you can start this week. He had 17 carries last week. If he's getting that kind of volume, he should still be in lineups, especially as an eight and a half point favorite to a pedestrian Giants defense. After that, we have the Saints at home as six point favorites against the Seahawks. The over-under is 45 and a half. And this is a little bit of a weird game here where the Saints are the slowest team in football right now. They have the 26th pass rate over expectations. So they're just trying to slow things down run the ball, and the Seahawks are the more modern side, which is weird to say with Pete Carroll, but they want to push the tempo, they want to pass the ball, and I think this is going to become a game here where the Saints score pretty much with ease on the Seahawks defense, who gave up what, like 45 points to the Lions last week. I think the Seahawks will want to run a lot of plays, play fast, but they'll probably struggle on the road here versus a top 10 DVOA defense in the Saints. I kind of like the under here, but these Seahawks games have been very weird. Now, when we talk about the Seahawks, we have Rashad Penny, who dropped a 28-piece last week, but I'd pump the brakes a little bit. I have him as an RB2 streamer this week, a fringe top 30-ish type option in a really tough matchup versus a Saints defense that's allowing the fifth fewest points to running backs, and the Seahawks are underdogs on the road. Bad matchup, bad environment, bad across the board. You're pretty much just hoping for efficiency, which Rashad Penny can give you. You just don't want to bet big on that. Then we also have Kenneth Walker, who is fun. He's a fun stash for now. He's kind of a nice handcuff. Maybe eventually he emerges. But for now, three career games, hasn't scored over seven PPR points. He can comfortably be sat. Then we have Alvin Kamara, who has been super tough this year. He has missed two out of four games. He has scored no more than 15 points in the two games that he's played so far. But I like him as an RB1 this week. Must start option as a home favorite versus Seahawks defense that is allowing the fourth most fantasy points two opposing running backs. Now, when we talk about Mark Ingram, he's a sit if Kamara plays, but if Kamara doesn't play, he is a really nice RB2 streamer in a great matchup, again, at home versus a soft Seahawks defense. Next, we have the Steelers as 14-point underdogs on the road versus the Bills. This is the biggest spread we've seen so far this season. Spotting a team 14 points in the NFL is wild. Like This is a college-type line here but I think it's probably fair. We have a rookie quarterback. The Steelers aren't great. They're going on the road in a tough environment in Buffalo. Kenny Pickett could go out there and just look straight terrible. The Steelers do have the 10th best DVOA defense. I'm not sure it'll matter, though. I think the Bills will probably still roll here, but I do like the under. I think that this is going to be a game that'll be like 31 to 10, 27 to like 13, something among those lines. 47 and a half 
does feel a little bit high. And when we look at the Steelers side of things, we have Najee Harris. And at this point, you have to keep starting Najee, but it isn't a fun time. He is at this point a middling RB2, sort of what we thought like Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery's profile was going into the season. But he's almost getting even less than that. He saw zero targets last week. Jalen Warren keeps digging into the passing game, keeps digging into all of the volume because he's been the most more explosive runner this season. And I would usually say a negative game script like this, 14-point underdogs, and Najee Harris would be queued up for a bunch of targets. But he's at an 8.7% target share after being at a 14.5% target share last year. He's going to get targets in this one. It won't be another zero target game, but I'm not sure he's going to give you like a, remember against the Bengals last year, we had like 25 targets. I think I'm exaggerating, but I think it was more like 14 or something crazy. That's not going to happen here. He's pretty much a 15 touch low ceiling RB2 into perpetuity in an awful matchup here. But again, just off volume alone, he is a top 20 option that should be in your lineup. Then we have the Bills. And we have Devin Singletary, who is essentially a bell cow at this point. He had 87% of the snaps last week, a 79% route participation, 65% or better is elite. So 79% is wild. And he gets a big lead at home here, 14-point favorites. He is a fine RB2 this week, even as a Steelers run defense that's probably about neutral, about middle of the road. And then with Zach Moss and James Cook, they only combined for four opportunities last week. They had less than 15% of the snaps. They can both be sat while Devin Singletary is operating as a bell cow. Then we have a divisional matchup. We have the Bears on the road, a seven-point underdogs to the Vikings. The over-under is 43 and a half. And this is a really weird setup here where the Vikings want to play fast. They want to pass the ball while the Bears just want to sort of run the ball. And that's pretty much it. Now, I don't hate the idea of this game going over because the Bears will be able to move the ball against the Vikings 27th ranked rush DVOA defense so they shouldn't have much of an issue running the ball on the Vikings and the Vikings shouldn't have much of an issue moving the ball on the Bears 43 and a half is pretty low here and we talk about the running backs I love Khalil Herbert this week he's playing the Vikings who are giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing running backs right now and he had a quiet week last week only like 11 points but the usage was there he had 77 percent of the snaps he had 20 combined carries and targets for me, he is a fine RB2 play this week. Then we have the Vikings running backs. And Dalvin Cook had a quiet week, but the usage was great for somebody with an injured shoulder. He still saw 20 carries and two targets. He only had 86 total yards, only 10.6 points. But as we say, the usage was there. And he gets a great matchup here, literally a softball lob. He gets a situation where he is a seven-point home favorite versus a Bears defense that is allowing the ninth most fantasy points two running backs it should be a great spot for dalvin cook to sort of rebound for your teams out there which means we should be sitting alexander madison who scored a touchdown last week but he only had four touches he's really not someone that should be in lineups without a dalvin cook setback next we have the texans on the road versus the jaguars the jaguars are seven point favorites at home the over under is 44 and a half and i absolutely love this environment the jaguars and texans are both top six neutral pace the texans are seventh in pass rate over expectation the Jaguars are seven-point favorites. They should want to play fast, score early, and the Texans are going to trail, but they're also going to play fast, pass the ball, and if they luck into a few touchdowns, this game could shoot out. You would just need those Texans to score early. I, I wouldn't say that this is going to be a game that shoots out, but it has some upside here where the pace, the pass rate, it lines up. And when we talk about the running backs, we have the Texans, we have Damian Pierce up top, 
and Damian Pierce is starting to expand his role in this offense. He had all of the running back rush attempts last week. 100% of the rush attempts is nothing to sneeze at. That is really rare. You have even guys who are bell cows in the NFL like Saquon Barkley. Even Matt Breda will take a breather rep for him every once in a while. Damian Pierce is that guy right now. He also ran a season-high 51% of the routes. 65% again plus is like elite. 51% is really, really strong for a rookie in like his fourth game. And he ended up with six targets. So it's clear that they want to get him involved in the passing game. His previous career high was only two. So they cranked that all the way up to six. They're going to be in a trailing game script here. He's getting used in all phases. It doesn't really matter if the Jaguars are a good run defense or not. They are allowing the seventh most fantasy points to running backs right now, despite having like a top 10 rush DVOA defense. So it's a little bit uh, inconsistent there, but he should be a fine RB2 start this week. And we'll talk about Rex Burkhead, who scored a touchdown last week and was like relevant after week one, but his touches continue to decline. His passing work continues to decline. Damian Pierce is taking over this backfield. I wouldn't be starting Rex Burkhead at any point in time. On the other side, we have the Jaguars running backs who struggled last week in a trailing game script versus the Eagles, but I really like James Robinson this week. I would have him as like a must-start fringe RB1, probably the top 12 option here as home favorites versus a Texans defense that's allowing the most fantasy points to running backs in the NFL. And I'm going to keep the light on for Travis Etienne here. I'll have him as a low-end RB2 streamer in that RB30 to 35 range. I could see him have a huge splash play, maybe find himself in the end zone versus a defense that is really fantasy-friendly for running backs. Then we have the Dolphins on the road as three-and-a-half-point favorites versus my Jets. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. And I got to be honest with you guys, I don't have a read on this game whatsoever. We only have a 1.5-game sample of what either of these offenses look like, right? We had half a game on Thursday night with Teddy Bridgewater. We had one game with Zach Wilson where he was a awful quarterback in the first three quarters and then a great quarterback in the last quarter. So I really don't know how this game will shake out. They still like the Dolphins on the road here without their quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater should probably be able to sustain this offense just fine, if I'm being honest with you guys. But in terms of how this shoots out, if it's going to be high scoring, I probably like the 43 and a half number. Probably not going to be fireworks at MetLife with Zach Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater, but it should be a close competitive game here. And on the Dolphins side of things, we have Raheem Mostert, who I like as an RB2 streamer this week after pretty much operating as Miami's bell cow last week. You're not bell cow, but lead back. After seeing 72% of the snaps, he saw 18 opportunities to Edmonds 8. Now, he does have a slightly tough matchup here where the Jets quietly have the 10th best rush defense on PFF, but I think McDaniel will lean into the run here with Tua out. I think he's a fine RB30-ish play based on volume alone. He hasn't broken a long run yet. I think that he had one called back. Mostert pops one loose every once in a while. I think that this could be that week. Now, with Chase Edmonds, touches, the snaps, they continue to decline. I will say... McDaniel, McVeigh, Shanahan, these guys, they like to change the running back usage as the season goes on. I can't sit here and tell you that this is going to stay where it's like a 75-25 split for the entire year, but I can't just say, you know, gut feeling Chase Edmonds will earn some of this role back this week. So I think that he's a sit. He scored three touchdowns in the last two games. If you want to just throw him in there and pray for a touchdown, you can. I would have him a step below RB2 streamer, probably somewhere like the RB. 38, 45-ish range. Next, we have Brees Hall on the Jets side of things who outsnapped Michael Carter 46 to 31. He outtouched him 19 to 11. He is officially the running back in this offense. Now, he does get a tough draw versus a Miami defense that is first in PFF rush defense. I think that's on the back of Christian Wilkins, who was looking like an absolute monster on Thursday night against Joe Mixon. But 
the Dolphins have allowed the fifth most receptions to running backs this year, which is great for Hall, who is second in the NFL in running back targets. So I don't think the efficiency is going to be there between the tackles, but if Vegas is right, if it's going to be a game that the Jets trail in, Brees Hall should have opportunity to catch passes to be a fine RB2 this week that you can start. Now, I will say he was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, but Sala says it's just like nicks and bruises. He should be good to go. Just something to keep an eye on if he's still in that injury report come Friday, Saturday, anytime over the weekend. And then with Michael Carter, I think I would sit him if I could. He still had 10 plus opportunities last week, but this should be a trailing game script versus a tough Miami defense. And with Carter, he's no longer the main pass catching back. You're really just getting him for between the tackles carries. And I wouldn't really want to play him having like 10 to 12 carries versus that Miami front seven. After that, we have the Falcons on the road as nine-point underdogs to the Buccaneers. The over-under is 48 and a half, and the Buccaneers should have a field day as home favorites versus the 22nd-ranked DVOA defense. But I will say this is going to be a really interesting game where the Falcons have been efficient on offense. They've been winning games. They've been scoring a lot of points. Last week, it wasn't really like that, but with the Browns, uh, those games, they were scoring a lot. I think they had a game with the Rams where it went over as well. They're going to be in a trailing game script here. They have the 30th pass rate over expected, which means they're going to be stubborn here. They're going to try and run the ball when they're down big. We'll see what happens. I think that might make Tyler Algier somewhat viable, but if I could sit all running backs on the Falcons, I would. Algier had 11 opportunities. Caleb Huntley had 10. Even Avery Williams, our special teamer, turned running back. Mixed in a little bit. They're road underdogs versus a Bucks defense that's allowing the third least fantasy points to running backs. It's the worst case matchup here. If I could sit in my wood, if not, I would have Tyler Algier just under an RB2 streamer. It would be a desperation play. You grab him off waivers. You have no other answers. Then you could plug him in. I also love Leonard Fournette as a start this week after a top 12 finish last week. The first one of his season. He's going to be a nine point favorite at home versus a Falcons defense that ranks just 26 in rush DVOA. I'll also say Rashad White, it was great to see him get some work. He scored a touchdown. He had like eight touches, but that's one game of usage. It was exciting, but it wasn't enough to trust him in your lineup without a four-net injury. Then we have the Lions on the road as three-point underdogs to the Patriots. The over-under is 45 and a half. This is a really weird environment. This is a higher over-under for a Patriots team that's had over-unders in like the 39 and a half, 41 and a half area. But it makes sense. The Lions want to play fast. They want to run the ball. The Patriots want to play slow and run the ball. But the Lions have the 32nd ranked DVOA defense. So they shouldn't have much of an issue moving the ball on this defense. They're just going to take their time to do it, if you will. Now, on the other side of the ball, we have Jamal Williams. And it's kind of a bummer that he wasn't really used as a true bell cow. He had just under 50% of the snaps. He wasn't used in like this crazy role. But he still did have 22 of 29 running back opportunities. He should see plenty of volume this week in a nice matchup versus a Pats defense that is 31st in rush DVOA defense. He should be a top 15-ish play this week. Now, I'm also sitting all other Lions running backs where Craig Reynolds, Justin Jackson, yes, they were sort of interesting, but they combined for seven opportunities. Until either of them can kind of carve out a standalone role, they should be on benches for now. Then we have the Patriots running backs. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, I'm starting both this week versus a Lions defense that is allowing the second most fantasy points to running backs on the season. They're home favorites. They have a backup quarterback in Bailey Zappian. They're going to lean on their running backs. And I love both as fringe top 24 options. They've both been top 18 running backs from week two on. Next, we have a complete stinker. We have the Titans on the road as two and a half point favorites 
versus Washington. The over-under is 42.5. Both of these teams are bottom six in neutral pace. Both teams are bottom 11 in offensive points per game. It's ugly. Now, Washington has a strong defense. They're sixth best in rush DVOA defense. They're allowing the seventh fewest points to running backs. I do not care. Derrick Henry is a must-start regardless of what's going on. He's hit 20-plus carries in three out of four games this year. In his last two games, he's hit five targets in each of them. He's a top-five play regardless of matchup at this point until that usage changes. Then we have Antonio Gibson. And I'll only consider him an RB2 streamer for this week. He's been really shaky. He has a tough matchup here as home underdogs versus the sixth best PFF rush defense. He also has Brian Robinson potentially returning this week. He's still seen a minimum of 14 opportunities in every game. He should have like 12 plus opportunities at home here. It's just a matter of how efficient he's going to be and how much Brian Robinson is going to eat into that. I'd be sitting McKissick if I can. I don't know how this offense is going to look with Brian Robinson. If he returns, this Titans defense is also really tough to score on. You also have Brian Robinson in the mix. He's practicing. He might play on Sunday. We don't know. If he does, don't put him in your lineup. You don't know what his work is going to look like. You don't know if he's just going to sort of be a guy that's on the bench the entire time, sort of easing his way back in. I'm not starting Brian Robinson until he gives you a week that is really promising. Then our last 1 p.m. game of the slate, we have the Chargers as three-point favorites on the road in Cleveland versus the Browns. The over-under is 47 and a half here. And this is a really weird matchup where the Browns want to run the ball and play slow while the Chargers want to crank up the pass volume and play fast. So that could lead to three and outs for the Chargers versus a pretty good Cleveland defense. Or it could be a tough spot for the Browns if they find themselves down to the Chargers early on in the game. Regardless, an over-under of 47.5 is pretty good for this environment. I would start most of the options in this game. And that's including Austin Eckler. He's playing a Browns rush defense that's allowing the 10th most fantasy points and is the third worst defense in rush DVOA. He should be treated as a top five option after a 30 plus point game last week. And on the Cleveland side of things, you're starting your Cleveland running backs versus this Chargers defense that is allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs. Also, they're going to be pressured to score more points to keep up pace with LA. So you have a spot here where the Browns should want to score a little bit more than usual, play a little bit more aggressive here. And it's a really, really soft defensive front here. I like both Kareem Hunt as a top 24 option, and Nick Chubb as like a top five, top six option. Which brings us to the 4 p.m. games here where the Niners are six and a half point favorites on the road versus Carolina. The over-under is 38 and a half, which if I'm not mistaken is the lowest over-under of the season this far. This is going to be an ugly game. Carolina is going to play fast, but I don't think it will matter much versus San Francisco's first-ranked DVOA defense. San Francisco is going to want to run the ball, play slow. They could end up winning like 24 to 9. I will say it's worth mentioning that they are going cross country. It could put them at a slight disadvantage here, but they're only six and a half point favorites. I do think if it was in San Francisco at home, they'd maybe be more in like the eight and a half to like nine and a half area in terms of being favorites, but it doesn't really matter. I think Jeff Wilson's a great start this week. He's been the RB20 since taking over in week two. They're big favorites versus a neutral defense in the Panthers. Then we have Christian McCaffrey, who finally put up his first 25-plus point game. Now, he has a tough matchup here. He's playing a really, really good San Francisco defense, but he's going to get his Christian McCaffrey-type usage in a negative game script. He should still be a fringe top-five start, even in a tough spot here. Then we have the Eagles on the road as five-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Cardinals in Arizona. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. 
I fully expect the Eagles to roll here. They should drop like 30 plus points versus a 32nd ranked PFF defense here. And you'll have the Cardinals playing catch up, playing fast from behind. Overall, this is a strong environment. One of the higher over-unders of the slate. There is shootout potential here. If the Eagles get up early, if the Cardinals get up early, we could see a lot of points in this one. And when we talk about the Eagles running backs, we have Miles Sanders. And I will say the Arizona defense is awful, but the run defense is their stronger counterpart of the two. But given the fact that Sanders is coming off maybe the best game of his career, 27 carries, like almost a 30-point game, he's the RB9 on the season. He's someone that should be in your lineup just given the fact of how good he's been and that he's going to be in a positive game script versus an overall bad defense. And we have James Conner on the other side, and this is kind of a potential soft spot for him to exploit, where the Eagles are third in total DVOA defense. They're a very strong defense, but they're only 23rd in rush DVOA, which means that they're really strong in the passing game. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, even their slot guys like Gardner Johnson, and I want to say the other guys, Avante Maddox or something crazy like that, really, really strong against the pass. They have pass rushes up front, but against the run, they are kind of neutral there. So James Conner should be a fine play this week. I have him as like a fringe RB2, like probably like a fringe top 20 option. He's seen 18 opportunities in each of his last two games. The volume is there. The points haven't been, but I think you still have to plug those opportunities into your lineup. Next, we have the Cowboys on the road as four and a half point underdogs to the Rams. The over-under is 43 and a half here. And this is going to be a big test for Cooper Rush, who's 4-0 right now. He's on the road versus a Rams defense that is going to make him beat them through the air. Their third in rush DVOA defense, the Rams, their 25th in pass DVOA defense. If the Cowboys are going to win, it'll be through the air. But even with that, obviously, they're still going to want to run the ball. They're still like bottom five, bottom 10 in pass rate over expectation, which means... I like Zeke this week as an RB2 streamer, probably in that RB25 to RB30 area. He now has three straight games of 15 or more attempts. The issue is that the Cowboys might not be able to run the ball as efficiently as they'd like, and they're going to be in a trailing game script as four and a half point underdogs here. I still do like the volume. I still do like his goal line role. So for that reason, Zeke is a top 30 option that you can start on hero RB-ish type teams. Now, I'll also have Tony Pollard. As an RB2 streamer, he's had 11 or more opportunities in his last three games here. You're pretty much hoping for a splash play. And if they struggle against Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner up front, they might opt for the screen game, for the short game with Tony Pollard, try and get a spark from him. You're pretty much hoping for a splash play, but I do like him as a really low-end RB2 streamer right on the fringes in that RB35 area. Now, Dallas is the opposite of the Rams in terms of defense, where... The Rams have a really strong run defense, a really poor pass. Even not really poor. They have Jalen Ramsey, but the weaker part of their defense is the passing. For the Cowboys, it's the opposite, where Mika Parsons is getting after the quarterback. Trevon Diggs is playing really well right now. They have the fifth best pass DVOA defense, only the 25th rush DVOA defense. And as home favorites, there should be a lot of points available on the ground here. The issue is that it's so hard to trust anybody in this backfield. Henderson had his highest snap share last week since week one. Akers had his lowest snap share since week one last week. I also saw Malcolm Brown got mixed in a little bit. It's really hard to trust anybody here. And I know that it was a trailing game script versus the Niners, which is why it would lend itself a little bit more to Henderson, who's more of the pass catcher than Akers, who's between the tackles guy. But Akers looked awful. He didn't look effective at all. I want to say he had like under a two yards per carry. There's a very good chance that McVay comes out here and does the McVay thing that he did on the first game in week one, where he just came out here surprisingly had 
Henderson as the RB1. I'm not saying you can project that, but for that reason, I like Henderson as a very low RB2 streamer this week. If you're desperate, just given that this is a nice matchup in a nice environment for Henderson of Akers as a sit, Malcolm Brown as a sit, any of those other Rams running backs obviously sits. We're hoping something sort of shakes out here so we can have a reliable running back moving forward. Then we have the Sunday night game, which is going to be really fun. We have the Bengals on the road versus the Ravens. The Ravens are three-point favorites at home. The over-under is 48 and a half. This should be really fun. You have two strong offenses on paper that are top 11 in pass rate over expectation. And the score of this matchup last year was Bengals 41-17, Bengals 41-21. There was a lot of points. It wasn't as competitive, but I do think the Ravens have had two tough losses this year. They're going to want to come out, beat the Bengals who got them really bad twice last year, then had a run to the Super Bowl while the Ravens had to stay home. I believe they missed the playoffs last year. I think this is going to be a get-right spot for the Ravens. They're going to be at home versus the Bengals, who haven't been as good as advertised as of recently. I do like the Ravens to win here, but I think it's going to be a really fun, possibly high-scoring game regardless. And when we talk about Joe Mixon, the Ravens' defense isn't that great against the run. They're 21st in rush defense per PFF, and Mixon is first among all running backs in expected points per game right now. And expected points per game is just how much volume, rush attempts, receptions, targets, goal line carries, all of that based on your usage, how many points should you be putting up? Joe Mixon is at the top of the food chain in terms of that. The downside is that he is like leading the NFL in negative fantasy points over expectation. I want to say he is like 22, 23 expected points per game. I want to say he's underperforming that by like seven or eight points, which isn't great but it means that efficiency is going to bounce back eventually. The volume is there. He's pretty easily a top 10 play on volume alone, even as road underdogs here. Then we have J.K. Dobbins on the other side of the ball versus a tough Bengals defense that is eighth in total DVOA. But even still, I'll have Dobbins as a start here as a fringe top 20, top 25-ish type option. They're home favorites. He saw 17 opportunities last week. He scored 20 plus PPR points. More volume should be on the way. More touchdowns should be on the way. Dobbins is a fine start in this one. Now, our last game here, Monday night matchup, probably the best game on the slate, or at least the highest over under of the slate, 51 and a half here. Raiders on the road, a seven and a half point underdogs to the Chiefs. This is the matchup for fantasy. We have Josh Jacobs on the Raiders. He's a top 12, top 15 type option this week. He saw 34 opportunities last week and a 73% route participation. Now, again, 65% is that Aaron Jones, Kamara, Eckler area. He got that. The entire time that Jacobs has been in the NFL, we've been waiting for this Kamara usage. He came into the NFL as a pass catcher. I don't think people really remember that. He's just been rammed between the tackles his entire career. If this usage sticks, he is going to be a top 12 option for the rest of the season. And he gets a Chiefs defense that is really light here. They're allowing the six most fantasy points to running backs. I love Josh Jacobs in this matchup. Now, on the other side, we have the Chiefs. And we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who through four weeks sits as the RB4 on the season. He has to be in your lineup at this point, even if it's kind of fluky, even if it's just kind of touchdown luck, he has to be in there. They're home favorites with the highest over-under of the slate, which means CEH is very much alive for his sixth touchdown in his fifth game of this season. For that reason, he's a very easy top 15 option for me this week. And we'll touch on Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. Neither of these guys cracked 25% of the snaps last week. Both of them can be comfortably sat 
in your leagues. Now that is going to do it for us today. As always, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. If you want my complete rankings, I come out every Thursday afternoon with my rankings for PPR leagues, my top 50 running backs, my top 50 wide receivers. So if you're out there and you see, oh, Travis Etienne, Raheem Moster, I have them both on my team. They're both RB2 streamers. Who should I start? I don't personally sit down and do my rankings one for one until Thursday afternoon. These videos that I do here is just to sort of get a feel for the slate and just kind of where I'm bucketing players. So I don't even have an answer to that question yet. If you want an answer to that question, that'll be on Patreon. I then update those rankings every Saturday. We do a waiver wire article every Tuesday to make sure that you're bidding the correct amount of fab on these guys on waivers. And my rest of season rankings come out every Wednesday, plus a Patreon live stream every Sunday. I'm doing it all behind the scenes if you want access to all that good stuff it'll be on patreon.com slash ron stewart you'll find it in the description you'll find it at the top of the comments below as always i think we're gonna get this under 40 minutes here oh i think by the time it's edited it might even be down to like 35 minutes i'm trying to get these a little bit more condensed for you guys i don't want them to be a chore for you guys to watch regardless if you enjoyed make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like and i'll see you guys in the next one Foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of Rapper, song, singer, suspended, subpoena from Mr. Meaner's dreamer. Hell back asses, Loki's still a zen. I still